Welcome to the Standardized Patients Podcast. I am your host and ENFP, Myers-Briggs, Katie Colligan. In this podcast, we dive into the who, the what, the why, and huh of this quirky industry that no one has ever heard of. So what is a standardized patient, you may ask? Well, a standardized patient is a... A medical professional who is highly trained in clinical simulation and giving feedback in interpersonal and communication skills. Oh, that was lovely. I felt like a, a warm hug. As, as you Coming right that. at you. A vocal warm hug. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And the person that just said that lovely, lovely definition of what a standardized patient is, is Christopher Herring. He is our guest today. Thanks for being here, Christopher. I'm so happy to be here. A little bit about Christopher. He is from Jackson, Mississippi. He is a performing artist who also worked as an SP for collegiate and government medical programs for over six years in the Washington, D.C. area. Now he is in California Bay Area working as an SP program trainer. He is super excited for this new role of training SPs and having some fun adventures along the way. Welcome, welcome. All right, I'm so excited to have you here because first of all, you're a wonderful human being. We go back and also, (laughs) and I've worked with you as an SP, but I am also just stoked to hear about your side of it as now as a trainer. That's why I'm like just really, really interested in hearing your perspective of that. So brief throwback here. So I met Christopher doing, it was at the the Kennedy Center. We made our debut together on the Kennedy Center stage, right? Yes, we did. Yes, it was at the Millennium Stage and it was a page to stage festival that was a play that was a really interesting, unique play. And we put it on its feet It was like a staged reading where we had our scripts, but also there was some choreography. Like I remember dancing. Yeah, I think we had moved around a little bit. Yeah, like dancing around. We had our music stands in front of us too, using those as props. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, I want to say, 2013. If I think I'm that was 2013, yeah, 2013, 2012. We have to pull our resumes back out and check it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then since then, like I, pretty soon after, I think I started seeing you at one or two of the medical schools that I was SPing at and still do. And then I got to see you a lot there in particular. And I got to see you in shows. Christopher's also a fantastic musician. So I've seen him play some some music as well in the shows. And he it was in bands and all that jazz. I had to bang but, on those drums too. Bang on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So a very multi-talented human being, and I would say one of the friendliest people I've ever met. And I do not say that lightly. He is one of the people, like, I've always really admired this about you. You're just, you make everyone feel very comfortable and at home with your friendliness and authenticness of that, you know? So, so that's why I kind of am curious about, and a little envious perhaps if you were a trainer more in the DC area, but you'd be a great trainer there too, but (laughs) your, your lucky SPs, I envy them to work with you. So that kind of leads me to my first question. Tell us about your experience as a trainer now. What does that entail for you? Big, broad question and mm-hmm. totally fair. Totally fair. Starting <laughs> I, with the open-ended questions, you know? Yeah, no, right. In true, in true, in true feedback fashion. You know, first off, I just, I want to say hey to everybody who's listening right now. Um, I'm super excited to be here with Katie. Talk about just this experience. So again, Katie, thank you so much for having me uh, on okay. here. From the trainer perspective, my transition out here, let's, you know, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, right? The pandemic. That, that had kind of a small-ish big effect on on my whole transition and learning out here. There was a completely different plan for me arriving at this new job and opportunity. 
for onboarding and how I bring me up. And thankfully where I'm at, the, the way that they bring up new folks is it, it's very much a mentorship program. And they had a very different plan with this mentorship program. Well, that still happened. The pandemic just really delayed that. My learning changed in such a way that it was supposed to be on a kind of a gradual incline. And then it just started to really, it would shoot up and then there would have to be lulls and I would have to not just marinate, as I would say, marinate and learn. But the biggest thing about being a trainer is that when you when you come to this side, and thankfully, you know, I, I'm so happy that I had the experience of those six plus years years of being an SP and really knowing what that side of it is, because you gain a much more appreciation of those folks that you work with when you are in that trainer role. You realize how crucial they, they are the exam, as we would say, if we don't have you, we don't get to do our jobs. That's fair. Yeah. You know, if we don't have you, then what are we going to do? We can't split ourselves and sub and go into six different rooms. Like, no, it's not going to (laughs) happen. So the, the biggest part is to understand, you know, there's so much more that goes into each of these exercises and events. It's, that was the biggest surprise for me. Uh-huh. Were, were the number of moving pieces that went into one particular exercise. You know, well, for example, it's like you, you know, as an SP, what am I doing, right? I get, I get my case, I've confirmed my date, I'm ready to go, I'm reading, I've prepped a little bit, ready to go in, do a little bit of training, I'll put my gown on, whatever's going to happen, I do my feedback, I'm out the door. I'm mm-hmm. good, I'm win, give me the next one. <laughs> There's about... That's probably two tenths of the process. There's another wow. eight tenths that goes into the building of the exercise, the intent, the objectives behind it. What are the learning objectives for the student? What do we want our SPs to do in order for us to gather the right data in order to help these future healthcare professionals and progress them along their medical journey. And those are the types of things that I did not have to consider and manipulate and look at that data. And now I do, because what it does is informs how we train our SPs the next time. Like how to standardize them, right? How to standardize and also what what goals are faculty looking for. And one other piece that I really was happy to see, like I felt like it was always there, but then when it actually happened, I was like, I knew it. Katie, SPs have such an impact on updates of case material and just perspective of their area, their demographic, the, you know, for your example, in the East Coast area, for me, the West Coast, how, what's the representation of that? SPs come in with their opinions and also constructive opinions as well. And what happens is when we can, you know, because academia moves at a fairly glacial pace, (laughs) fairly, fairly, Uh but SPs have such an impact in modifications that are made to cases. And I was able to recently take one of those suggestions from an SP and it has been implemented into the case. It was around gender. And how, you know, that's such a sensitive subject right now. And we're all learning and how to address each other, what pronouns we use. Mm -hmm. So to have that implemented from my perspective in such short amount of time was a real big win for me. And that was another recognition was just of that impact the SPs have on that side. And I don't know how many people actually know that. Yeah. No, that's that. Thank you for saying that. I think that's pretty validating, especially to any SPs that would be listening to this, including myself. Yeah. Your words matter and your words are heard. You know, Mm -hmm. you may not be told that enough and just know that you are heard. Nice. Thank you. That's some positive reinforcement (laughs) right there. So Christopher, tell me, what is your exact title? My exact title and nameplate, if you will, Mm -hmm. I am a standardized patient program trainer. Standardized patient program trainer. 
Awesome. Yeah. Now, and let me tell you what we actually do. That is by my title. My colleague and I, we do our titles. Okay. We're, we're, we're our trainers, but we also prepare robes. We prepare gowns. We cook, we clean, we make sure those exam rooms are set up. There are so many other things that go into <laughs> it. So we just like to say, you know what? Our nameplates, we do those a good bit of the time, but there's 80% of the things that we do that are not on that nameplate. <laughs> That's totally fair. So you do so much more. <laughs> now, when you say cook, tell me, tell me, what do you cook? <laughs> well, that's just a big joke. I just like oh. to do toast. There's a toaster oven in our break room. So that's my version of, yeah, I cook. I do. I toast. <laughs> <laughs> so how big is your team that where you were? So he is on the West Coast. And just to put a little bit of context before I go back to that question real quick, he got this job opportunity and moved over to the West Coast from the East Coast right before the pandemic shut everything down. It's a very challenging yeah. time, like, yeah, what, a month or so before things really shut down and had to yeah, shut down. Yeah, I think I was uh, I was working on site in the before times, as, as we've yeah. kind of deemed it now. In the before time, I was going on site for a month. And okay. then exactly a month after that is when everything, I was told, hey, hey, Christopher, so we're going to, we're going to work from home this weekend. And we're just going to see how it goes. Uh, we're still seeing how it goes. And, uh, <laughs> but it was about a month, Katie, before uh, that I was going on site every day before they switched this to, a, I guess we call this hybrid. So does that mean that some of your program is in person now and some of it is virtual still? Exactly. It's one of those things of if we have to be on site, if we're running something that is on site that requires SP staff to be there, then we'll divide and conquer and one of us will go on site. But we found through the pandemic that our team was still able to get our job done and we were able to work from home and be successful doing it that way. It's fantastic. I'm really happy to hear that for you guys. Yeah. Well, that was actually, you know, truly that was actually another part that was a shock to me. Um, I should tell you about this as being a trainer. So first off, I miss being an actor. Okay. Let me just get that out there right now. I miss being on the stage performing with you, mm -hmm. all of our other colleagues that are on the East Coast, seeing everybody, that camaraderie. I truly miss that. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I try to do my thing, never going to go away. But uh, missing being on stage, uh, I need people <laughs> yeah, in an audience. A lot of people understand that, <laughs> believe me. Gosh. So that going from the uh, what we would call the gig economy, right? Where we go gig to gig, we're hustling, right? It's the grind of you get the gig, you book the next one, you're booking the next one while you're booking the next one, that sort of yeah. thing. But you're out and about and you're going and you have to be at these places, right? You had to be at this audition. Then you're going going, you're out, you're going to another audition in person. Mm -hmm. I was so used to that for so many years as an actor. And then to now shift one, the eight, the, you know, the eight to five, nine to five, five work shift. That was an adjustment in itself. Sure. Now I have this structure. Now I have a desk. Now <laughs> I have my own computer that's registered <laughs> to me at what? So that was a big shift in itself was Monday through Friday, consistent this time to this time. I kind of enjoyed the spontaneous schedule that I had before I was used to that. So that was an adjustment. Mm -hmm. On top of that, now a month later, oh, hey, we're working from home. <laughs> oh, yeah. So now I've gone from a job that I used to do in person, going many different places to now going to one place 
but wait, now I've got to go home and do this on my own Mm -hmm. without my team around me to be able to have those over the shoulder conversations of, hey, how do I do this? Oh no, (laughs) now I got to figure out how to work from home, which I've never done in this new job with this new schedule. That is rough. I forgot to share that with you as well. (laughs) That's tricky. And so do you feel like now, do you feel like you have a good handle on that? Have you gotten used to it? Are you ready to like, do you want to get back in person to where, you know, that first month of when you started? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so funny enough, I initially thought I need, I need to get on site every single day of the week. And that was right after everything. I am a bit of an extrovert (laughs) and I need, I (laughs) just, just a bit. I need people and I eat off the energy of the people around me, you know, and I feel that energy off of them. And that is just such a thriving environment for me. But I really have, as we say, we've pivoted or flexed. (laughs) And I have found a comfort, you know, to answer your question, I, I have found kind of a rhythm of this hybrid schedule. I do have my preference of if I have my choice, I would like to finish my work week At home, there's something very satisfying about logging off on a Friday afternoon and you are already home. I mean, the commute ain't bad, okay? The commute ain't bad when you are working (laughs) from home. So true. (laughs) So, so you know, I I think I've gotten to the point where I'm snooty enough to be like, I think I'd rather close out at the end of the week at home and log off versus go on site. But I'm not at the position where I can dictate that yet. Right, right. (laughs) Stand by. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think you asked me how many were part of my team. They're actually on in the SP program, there are three of us. We are a mighty three pack. So relatively small. Three amigos. Um, Right. I'm the third edition (laughs) of this team. Um, But we do have a bigger department, which is made up of a sim side as well, which do the mannequin and task trainer based simulations. But the SP program is this just three of us. So I have found a rhythm as far as the hybrid rhythm of working at home. I kind of am starting to prefer my home setup a little bit. Pajama bottoms and my nice fuzzy slippers, uh, bedroom slippers on bottom. So keep it warm, keep it comfy. I'm with you on that. Cup of coffee at the side with a little hydration and water. I'm good to go. Okay. You're speaking (laughs) my language right there. (laughs) Right. So you get it. You get it. So we have ultrasound Mm. events as well, or um, like I said, if there are any exercises that require SPs to be on site, I'm usually the guy that is going to go in because my supervisor is fantastic and and really understands the dynamic of our team. Our team is made up of a self, and we all self-identified that this is what we are, a introvert. We have the extrovert here, (laughs) and then our supervisor is actually a nice blend of kind of both of them. So we have the makings of a team that that really work well together, having those differing sort of personalities, which also come out in constructive conversation when we're building exercises and debriefing. But me being the extrovert, I've told them like, hey, y'all want me to go on site and do something? I'll see people. Let's go do it. So I usually find myself typically maybe three days, two or three days out of the week, maybe I'm going on site. And hopefully the schedule works out where I can log off at home on Friday. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that seems to be like a nice balance. I'm with you on that with the logging off and being already home. You know what else I've noticed? And I don't know if this is for you as well, but I actually, I've kind of had to learn how to commute in and like, you know, relearn. Right? Okay. Okay. Timing. Time management is huge. Yeah. I've had to learn how to do all of that again. There is that lack of like, you know, you roll out of bed, just make sure everything you got what you need, your mind is right and you log on and get started. So yeah, yeah, I totally am with you. 
What do trainers, and I know you can probably only speak for yourself, but I know you've probably had some conversations. What do trainers love most about SPs versus what frustrates trainers most about SPs? Each group of SPs that get together are their own cast of characters. (laughs) That's so true. Okay. (laughs) Your own cast of characters. Each fantastic characters. Let me let me put that out there in your own beautiful way. Sometimes the cast of characters, personalities can sometimes be there. So I've had to be very much aware of that. So yeah. one of the best things and one of the most frustrating things is exactly that, mm, is yeah. the personalities that can be in the room. Because as a trainer, I have found that there is benefit in not always trying to be the expert in the room. Just because I have trainer behind my name doesn't mean that I know everything. You know, for example, if I'm training a case, if I'm training you in a, mm-hmm. in a case and you have portrayed this case for three years, I've been a trainer for one year and I'm now training you. Well, I have to recognize that, yeah, I might be the facilitator. I might be the point person of this, but I have somebody who has done this case for three years who has knowledge that I don't have Mm. and also has a nice personality. So you know what I might do? I might actually call on that person in the middle of this training and say, hey, let's go through this point of the case. What are your thoughts on this? What did you experience? So good personalities can help in that way. Mm -hmm. Frustrating is when you have personalities in the room that have opinions that will plant that flag and will not go down. And Mm -hmm. the thing to navigate from the trainer perspective is you want to want to foster a supportive and constructive environment for the SPs to thrive and learn. Because if they're, if we're all supporting each other, if we're all there to help each other, right? It's not that my portrayal is going to be better than yours, or I'm going to do this and this, and I'll check this out. No, we're there to support each other. So to manage personalities, managing those personalities, finding who you can use in what way, how folks interact with each other. Mm -hmm. That is one of the best and most frustrating things about being a (laughs) trainer. So one thing there, I don't have to give you two. It's it's managing those personalities. Exercise. Each case that we run and train, the SPs are their own cast of characters and they're all there for a reason. So that's another part of of the fun of navigating that as a trainer. It's a challenge, but it's fun. And you can plan what we want to do, right? Like you can sit there and you can have a training protocol. You can have that document in front of you where it's like, hey, from this time to this time, we're going to talk about this. From this time to this time, we're going to talk about this. But you know what? I can't just do all the talking. I may not have a lot of time because I can't not validate and have my SP's voices heard. Because when you are immersed, should we say, it's an immersive experience, right? That is the other thing is to make sure that your SP's feel immersed in the process because they don't feel a part of of it, then they're not going to have any stake in it. You know, yeah. there's got to be something there totally. for them. And there is something there for them. It's mm-hmm. only an opportunity if they're willing to take it. That's a good, such a great point. One thing that I found, I was thinking about like all the trainers that I've had over the years and because once again, different personalities, right? Different experience levels, different totally. everything, background. And I've thought a lot about, you know, I've had trainers that are very supportive and warm and, and you know, great with validation and positive reinforcement. I've had trainers that have been a little more hands-off. You were here to do the job. I'm going to tell you what the job is. A little clinical, perhaps a little cold, not necessarily in a bad way, but just a little bit more standoffish. And I've had trainers that are very micromanaging, not necessarily in a bad way either, but more more detailed, nuanced, focused on that. I've had trainers that have been really focused on feedback, 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 feedback in different ways. Let's do training workshops on feedback. And I've had people that 
at trainers that have not been there. So I'm really curious when you went into this new role, what were some of the things that you'd experienced that you wanted to bring into your training? I can give you two parts of this. The first thing is when, as I say, when I was back in the gown, I had an SP the other day actually say, hey, Chris, we should write that as an SP pamphlet memoir back in the gown and we'll publish that. Don't you steal that from me, okay? And I will. I will. Li- okay, all right. <laughs> I'll check. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, would you repeat your question, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, now we got to talk about back in the gown. Um, <laughs> so what are the qualities that you took from previous trainers that you'd worked with ah. that you knew you wanted to put into your... So each trainer is their own individual. Just as we talked earlier, each SP is their own character in the cast of each case that they are a part of. You see different kind of training approaches. Mm-hmm. Big thing for me was I knew that I could appreciate multiple approaches. One thing that I've had to do since coming here is, you know, rather than try to, I'm going to do only this, I use them as learning opportunities. So things that I have seen in the past that I wanted to take in were one, I just wanted to be me. I've always given feedback in the past to medical students that, hey, don't come in here and feel like you got to play a doctor. You're going to be one eventually. Just come in, right? Just come in and talk. So I wanted to be myself. You know, I didn't want to go in there and play the trainer. The second part has to do with your background in this craft, you know, and how you approach your training process. Some folks, we have talked in previous training sessions and been trained on the different centers of, you know, that we have uh, students that are very thinking, analytical, feeling. Well, I think you have the same with trainers. You have trainers that approach it from a very technical, analytical, specific standpoint. Myself, I know I approach it from that very supportive. I want people to feel welcome and a part of it, inclusive. Also, on top of that, the second part of your question, it really depends on the objectives of each exercise, because that's where it all starts for us as trainers. We look at what are the student learning objectives. So should I be training my SPs to pick apart every single little detail? Do they need to? Are they assessing that? Is there a checklist? So maybe I do have to train them that granular. Or Is the objective that the student just practice saying these questions or what level are we at, right? Who in our theater world, who's our audience? Yeah, exactly. Right. I ask myself that question a lot as a trainer is who is my audience? And while the SPs are that, that's our wheelhouse. We're the casting agency, right? You're calling us for the SPs and we're casting them. We're sending them to you. (laughs) We have to know who our client is who our audience is. So am I casting an SP for a first year medical student where I need to highly train them on how to give feedback? There, I might weigh into feedback. Am I training an SP to assess a fourth year medical student on a gateway exam? Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to highly train you on those granular responses to each of these questions. So that is the other part that goes into it. It's not all just personal approach. You've got to what the learning objectives are for the students and who your audience is. You know, as an SP myself and having heard so many wonderful things coming from you and your perspective now, what is one thing that you wish as a trainer now, having been an SP, that all SPs could know? Honestly, truly, I don't know if I could tell you one specific thing that you should know. Katie, there's so much that goes into this. And, you know, for me, one of the reasons that I really took this path was because of the education side of it. The one thing you need to know is that your words matter when you're in front of those students and you're you're pouring your heart out. You know, you're 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 giving your feedback from that honest place and within whatever structure you've been trained to give it in. Know that ears are open. Know that 
your words are heard both from the students, both from the SP program that is training you and know that you are very, as I said earlier, you're very important to mm-hmm. what we do. And I guess the biggest thing I can tell you is just smile at the opportunity that you have because not a lot of folks can do this. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks want to try, mm-hmm. but the true understanding of why we do this, like from, you know, for me, it started out as one of those side gigs. I was acting, I was doing the hustle and it was a side gig and, and it really turned into something that I truly loved. I love the education aspect of it to be able to have an impact on a future medical healthcare professional's career at that level. It's so huge when you sit back and realize that that's the kind of impact you have on somebody's journey. Yeah, I think you can sit back and smile about that. Again, I just wanted to reiterate your words matter and know you are appreciated and heard. It's something that I miss doing. I rarely get to go back in the room, but it's something that I miss. But keep it up and keep a smile on your face. Thank you, Christopher Herring. What a wonderful way to part here. Um, (laughs) Those are really validating words. And also knowing that, like, obviously you are the one that's bringing that energy and that positivity and that assistance to the students and to the program and all of that. So that's huge. Katie, something else is that as an SP, you know, you always have that win at the end of the encounter. When you got that feedback, you know, you've had that impact on a student when they walk out of that room and they're taking something away. One thing that I have noticed as a trainer is that you don't get those instant wins immediately. But when you sit back and you get the debrief from faculty and you get the debrief from folks about how your SPs did, and then they all walk out of the door, you celebrate the success of other success. And that Mm. has been a huge win. I love it. (laughs) Oh, so positive. Thank you again so much for being here today, for being our guest. We really appreciate you, Christopher Herring, and all that you do. And I'm sure all of your team does as well on the West Coast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Standardized Patients Podcast. Thanks so much to Randy Sharp for the use of our theme song, Mr. Garita. And you can find their music at Artlist. Thank you, as always, to the lovely Catherine Bablek for behind-the-scenes work, audio post-production, and our cover art. And that is our show. See you next time as we encounter more standards of standardized patient work. <laughs> <laughs>